computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. I am your host for the day, Tim. You know me as Cranjus McBasketball on Twitter. And today I have a guest with me. Uh, he is the Lakers reporter, one of the Lakers reporters for The Athletic, uh, Jovan Buha. Uh, welcome, Jovan. Happy to have you here. Uh, we've been trying to get this set up for a little bit, but uh, anxious to you know get your thoughts on a couple items now that guys are actually like in the gym and their media sessions. So uh, I'm excited to hear some of your insight now that you've been able to be around this new Lakers team over the past couple of weeks. Well, first off, thanks for having me on, man. And uh, we, we finally made it happen. And uh, yeah, there, there's a lot to discuss. And I, I think even more so after tonight, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see the big three make their debut against a Steph Curry and Draymond Green list Warriors team. So they better get that win. Otherwise, <laughs> I think that the hot takes are going to be flying if, if they lose to uh Jordan Poole tonight, he drops 35. Yep. Yeah. Even if it's like a fourth quarter meltdown with like the South Bay Laker guys in, we're going to hear those hot takes. 0-3. I, I don't think I've ever felt better about an 0-3 preseason team. Uh, right? 0-4. It's only 0-4. Oh, geez. I've tried to block that last game. Yeah, now you're like, well, I'm not sure. 0-3 <laughs> I, was, I was good with. And then that last game, it felt like they pulled the playbook, playbook back a bit and things got a little sloppy and I was less less enthused after watching that live and then rewatching the film. And it's it hasn't been just this like linear path with guys jumping in and out and different stars resting. One thing that I know I've been keeping a, an eye on is from an offensive scheme standpoint, this is a team with a coaching staff that's changed a little bit. Um, Frank Vogel's traditionally been a defensive coach. And in the past, he's run some more vanilla kind of sets and leaned into the fact that he has you know star players and trying to keep things simple focus around them but this preseason we've seen the team utilize I think I'd call them a higher caliber of sets more exciting stuff uh, creative actions to leverage the shooting they do do have mitigate the shooting they don't have and allow those star players to do what they're good at just in a you know easier situation something that from that last game we saw a little bit less of was some of those creative uh, X's and O's from your perspective, what sense are you getting from being around the team and seeing what you've seen so far that that offensive X's and O's jump that we've seen kind of on and off a little bit, this preseason is legit because we've seen random stuff in preseason before and then it disappears. You know, don't, I don't want to be hurt again. Tell me I'm not going to be hurt again here. (laughs) I don't think you're going to be hurt. I do think it's legit. Frank Vogel and multiple players, including most notably LeBron, have discussed this amorphous new offensive system. They haven't really gone into details of, of what's new about it, but I, I think we, we have seen it. Uh, you, you've seen more two-man game and, and kind of clearing out one side uh, where AD can can operate with, uh, be it Kendrick Nunn or, or Malik Monk or THT, and just some more creative action, some more stuff off the ball, uh, using, I, I think, Wayne Ellington creatively and kind of leveraging his elite shooting and, and ability to, you know, run off pin downs and, and stuff like that. So I, I think the one thing though, is that it is difficult to determine how legitimate it is without seeing the big three together. And we're again, going to see that tonight. 
for the first time, how that looks, what type of synergy those guys have, you know, what is Russ doing off the ball when LeBron has it and vice versa. Uh, because I, I just think we know like LeBron and Russ are two of the best creators and playmakers in the league. So there's a chance that there is more freelancing and, and some of the stuff that we saw in that last game when those two are on the floor, especially when they're together. Uh, so I, I think I'm interested to see what that kind of looks like once those two are playing together and, and how much structure is there versus those two just being individually brilliant guys who can make something out of basically nothing and, and kind of create for their teammates. So uh, I'm interested in that balance and, and kind of how they, they look to strike it. Absolutely. And adding the roster, adding a bunch of shooting has certainly, that's certainly going to help this team compared to last year's team where, you know, you can have the stars doing their thing, but defenses are going to help off of Alex Crusoe a little bit, or they're going to help off of some of these other guys that, you know, aren't going to knock down threes, but not at a high enough volume that you have to respect them the same way defenses will with like a Wayne Ellington. Uh, you mentioned someone there, THT, as, as being one of these guys in that mix and uh, not quite the shooting mix per se. We'll, we'll see how that plays out, but with him and now Trevor Reza both down potentially I don't know, weeks, maybe a couple of months from what you've seen, how has the level of concern uh, been with the team? Have they reached a point where we should expect them to look to sign another wing? Are they just looking internally for some of these uh, two-way guys or end of the bench guys to fill that role? Um, or, or are they looking external for something like that? Cause I, we've noticed like a, just a positional imbalance where one injury and now all of a sudden there are like three, like small guards lineups out there at a time with like Kendrick Nunn, like Rajon Rondo, West, Russell Westbrook, like stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, what, where's the team's level of concern now that they've lost one of those bigger guard kind of guys who could potentially defend some wing? Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard secondhand that the the THT injury should keep him out multiple weeks uh, on the low end and it could be uh, approaching that six to eight week uh, timetable so I mean if that's that's the case he's coming back mid to late November on the early side maybe so uh, yeah I mean I think this is definitely going to impact uh, the the rotation and uh, I mean I don't think the Lakers are quite at the point where they need to sign someone because I, I think you can make the argument that they were already there as they are a bit light in terms of wing defense. So had that guy been out there, I, I think maybe they already sign him and and maybe move Austin Reeves to their second two-way spot. He only has a $100,000 guarantee. Uh, so I, I think like if, if that guy was out there, I think they probably would have already signed him. So I, I don't know who that would be. I think they're going to look at the buyout market throughout the season. Uh, the issue, of course, is that wings rarely become available on the buyout market or wings that you would want rarely become available on the buyout market. It's usually, as we saw last season, uh, the, the plotting bigs, the, the former all-stars who are kind of on, on the back nine of their careers. Uh, so I think in the short term, though, this temporarily alleviates some of the logjam in the backcourt and on the wing, uh, just in terms of playing time and, and roles. I think there's more clarity now with who's going to play and who isn't. Uh, but bigger picture, I do think that the Lakers probably need a wing defense upgrade in some form or fashion. I'm not sure, again, who that player is or, or how they're going to get him, uh, just because I don't see that person probably becoming available on the buyout market. Uh, but I do think that you know, if I'm looking at a weakness on this roster, I, I still think they're probably a wing defender short uh, in a potential playoff series against the Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, th those top level teams that they're going to be playing. So uh, that's what I'd be looking at. But 
I, I think in the short term, it's fine. You're, you're going to readjust the rotation more Wayne Ellington, more Kent Bazemore. Uh, but I, I, I think long term, it is something to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I, in, in a way I'm like, yeah, my Kent Bazemore prediction for, you know, a bunch of minutes is going to come true, but this isn't the way I wanted it to happen. But the fact that he's played well and in the past has been a wing defender is like the Lakers really, really needed that. If he weren't there, like they'd be in, they would just have a complete gap. Um, So we'll, we'll see how they can string it together. I think it helps that it's at the very beginning of the season and they still have time to one, figure out some of these other guards on the roster who, it, it, it's, it was going to take some time to figure out, you know, how do we, who's playing and how much are they playing between Ellington and Monk and Nunn and, and Rondo potentially along with Westbrook. But now that THT is out of the mix, you get more of a look at some of those guys. Um, and then if, I mean, if it were to happen now or at the end of the year, you'd rather have it now. Hopefully THT is able to come back, make a full recovery, be fine. Same thing with Ariza. We'll see what happens there. From a now, now this is the the cool stuff that like I have to speculate based on watching film and watching games live. You being there in the building at at practices at these media sessions, what is some of the stuff that you're excited about this year? And what are some of your takeaways so far from seeing just those glimpses here and there? And and what storylines are you keeping an eye out for this year as just someone covering the Lakers? Well, I, I think the Ariza injury changes how the Lakers are going to play. And, and I think there was a lot of hype, a lot of buzz about Anthony Davis playing at the five. And and that had been something I had reported other Laker writers and, and reporters had reported. And uh, it, it just seemed like that was the way this was trending. But I think the Trevor Ariza injury, that is a player in the rotation that that is hard to uh, replace because they just they just don't really have another guy like him. Uh, of course, LeBron, but I, I don't think LeBron is going to play 30 minutes a night at the four. I just don't think that's realistic. Uh, so I, I do expect we saw it from the first couple practices, like DeAndre Jordan with the starting unit a lot. The Lakers going a little bit bigger with that starting group. Uh, I, I think while Trevor Ariza is out, the remedy is probably going to be more Anthony Davis at the four, you know, him alongside a Dwight or, or a DeAndre and just going a little bit bigger to protect, I, I think some of the weaker perimeter defenders that this group has. Uh, whereas you, you could have gone smaller, I think with an Ariza and gone 80 Ariza LeBron and been fine defensively fine on the defensive glass. Uh, and again, you're not running that lineup out for 30 minutes a night, but you are maybe starting that group or, or closing with that group and you could get by with that. But I think now the alternatives are more LeBron at the four, which I'm personally fine with, but I, I don't, I think there's a limit to how much he's going to buy into that. And then more mellow at the four, which I, I'm not as fond of. And uh, so far the lineup data has, has backed that up as I, I think he's like, like yourself, like a minus 35.9 net rating with him, which is, Ooh. I think, worst among the projected rotation guys. So uh, Melo has had some some moments. He shot the ball well, but I think defensively it's been as bad as expected. So I think that's kind of the, the, the biggest thing that has stood out to me is just the, the domino effect of the Ariza injury and, and how that ultimately is going to shape, I think, the early season rotation and lineups. Uh, beyond that, I'm still as stumped as ever with the Bazemore versus Ellington debate. Uh, initially, I was team Ellington and, and just felt that his shooting was needed more than anything. And like, you know, especially because I think originally we were viewing it as a center likely starting next to 80 
uh, I was like, you, you just need some shooting out there. And he's a mm-hmm. superior shooter to, to Ken. But then it kind of switched where I was like, okay, well, if they're going smaller, maybe you go with both of those guys. But if, if you are going smaller, I think you can get away with a Kent in there instead of Ellington and, and just have better spacing overall. But I think with the way that both guys have played, uh, I think it's close, but I would, there's a defensive gap there and that favors Kent Bazemore. He shot the ball. Well, 37.5% on threes, uh, jacked up his uh, attempts a little bit. I think he's around like 4.7, five a game. Uh, so I think, that competition is really interesting and, and kind of who ends up having the, the larger role just because again, I think Wayne's shooting is so valuable to this group and defensively he's been impressive. I, I think his ability to chase and get around screens, not a lot of the, the other guards I think can do that as well. So uh, th- those have kind of been the, the, the two things. And then one thing that Frank mentioned today that he's kind of been like mentioning like almost under his breath a little bit. And I don't think anyone's like taking it at, at face value yet, but He's kind of said that he's expecting a smaller rotation than even potentially a 10-man rotation because they have three guys who are going to be playing 30-plus minutes a night. So when we've asked him rotation questions, he, like even today, I, I asked him, I was like, you know, do you feel like you, you don't want Trevor Reese and, and, and Taylor Horton Tucker in, injured, but is there potentially a temporary value to them kind of being out and you not having to make those tough rotation decisions early on and you can kind of just play the available guys and, and kind of keep guys happy. And, and then as you start to see people's performance, you can start to kind of make those evaluations. And he was like, yeah, but I'm still going to have to make some of those tough decisions, even with them out, because we have three guys who are playing 30 plus minutes a night. That That's in a, you know, a departure from what the rotation used to look like the, the previous two seasons. So now there's just fewer minutes to go around and they have to make some tough decisions with how do we fill out the other two spots in particular? So I think those are kind of the three things, just this team probably playing a little bit bigger than we had initially uh, imagined. I think that the Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington shooting guard race is really interesting. And then the rotation potentially being maybe a nine, nine and a half person rotation rather than like the 10 and a half, 11 we've been accustomed to the past two seasons. Let me interject with the the shooting guard race. Do you think Malik Monk has a shot? I know... I am not pleased with his defense so far. I know a lot of folks on Twitter, that, that, that they don't care about that. He's he's flashing some really good offensive stuff. Where do you think the team is with that? Does he have a shot at that sort of starting position? I don't think so. I think it is Wayne or Kent. Uh, and and again, if they go smaller, I think, I think it's probably both those guys. And, and maybe you go Kent at the three, Wayne at the two, with LeBron at the four, Eddie at the five. Uh, I think Malik is playing his way into a role. And initially when I looked at when I was kind of projecting out the rotation, it was just like people and you can't play 13 guys. Right. So someone yeah, has someone to has not to play. I think yeah. Rondo is one guy I looked at of just, you, you, I think you have enough playmaking with LeBron, Russ, Kendrick, THT. Like, I don't think you need that Rondo spot necessarily. Deandre was another guy when I was leaning towards them, probably starting 80 at the five. It obviously, you know, Dwight has outplayed him. I think it's, it's been pretty clear in the preseason. DeAndre's probably been their worst rotation player so far. And he's someone that might be the token starter, but probably, you know, I think come playoff time, we'll be out of the rotation. And then I was looking at Malik of just, I think, you know, Kent and Wayne provide certain things that I don't think he provides that, that are really important to the rotation. And then Kendrick and THT are, are guys that this team has invested in financially. 
you know, they, they gave Talon that contract. He's now the fourth highest paid player on the roster. Kendrick was their splashiest signing and is a guy who's playing for his next contract. So I think just in terms of how the team values these guys and, and sort of those inner politics that go on, I, I was looking at Malik as a guy who's probably going to get squeezed, but you can make the case he's been the best out of all three of those guys, uh, you, you know, in terms of him versus Kendrick and THT. So I think he's playing his way into a potential role. I just view him more as like maybe the 10th or 11th guy in the rotation versus being like that starting shooting guard or, and maybe I'm wrong. And, and he's, you know, he has played so well that maybe he, he does start, but I think he's definitely the worst of the three in terms of Baysmore and Ellington defensively. So mm-hmm. I just, I think you're putting so much pressure on Russ on, and on LeBron if you start a Malik Monk there. Uh, but he, who knows, maybe he's the sixth man and, and outplays Kendrick and, and Talon and he, he does have a bigger role than we were expecting. Yeah. I, I think the, schematic change the team made defensively with their ball screen coverages that limit a bit of the off ball rotating and focus more on like get back pressure on ball screens and then crack down peel off and like get a body into the roller that is something that directly helps Kent Bazemore that's something that directly helps and plays into the strengths of Wayne Ellington and it directly plays away from the strengths and into the weaknesses of Malik Monk so not to say he can't do it but at least like Coming into the system as it is, two of those guys are a better fit for what the Lakers are trying to do. Even though Ellington overall has been a negative impact defender, he's been able to lean more into what he's good at doing. And we've seen that exhibited so far. So I, I know some people are freaking about, out about the shooting. It doesn't That doesn't matter to me. Like these are fake games. These are tiny samples that'll, we know this guy can shoot the ball and that'll, that'll figure itself out over time. But I, I agree with you that with Kent, you've got good enough shooting and really strong defense and some versatility. With Ellington, you've got that elite shooting and to the point where you're running him off of sets and screens and creating additional opportunities and just its own form of offense. And Malik's kind of in the middle offensively and then defensively isn't isn't quite there. So I get it, but it's, a I think, a good problem if he continues to play well and instead of guys like underperforming and him getting a role by default, he's pushing other players for those minutes. And we see that intra-squad collaboration or not collaboration uh competitiveness to Mm -hmm. to push everybody up uh one thing so you mentioned tht being the uh fourth highest paid player that's something uh i heard you mention on spectrum yesterday could you tell us a little bit about that experience what it was like being in the studio i know when i'm like preparing for a podcast i'm like all right here are the topics i'm a data guy so i have to go grab my numbers in advance and i take (laughs) a little bit of notes i don't know is it like that or are they like hey here are the three topics or whatever be ready to speak for 30 seconds or do you just show up there and and you're just letting it fly and having to react on the fly to what others are saying or is it scripted and all fake wwe what 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 was that like <laughs> uh, it was a very collaborative process uh they you know we we had been discussing some dates and and once we had a date on the calendar uh they gave me like a 24 hour heads up of these are some topics we're looking to talk about if you have anything you'd like to pitch uh, that you'd like to put in the rundown, let us know. So uh, I threw out AD uh, and just kind of how he's looked in the preseason and that second quarter, uh, five minute stretch where they go on that 14 0 run and, you know, take the lead after being down by 12. And also that just to me was the best stretch of Laker basketball I think we've seen in the preseason where, you know, the rim protection, there's a couple times they, uh, collapse on DeAndre Ayton. You know, one time they blocked him, one time they stripped him, 
and you, you had Dwight showing high and, and, and trapping and blitzing out to half court and not forcing a turnover and Kendrick Nunn, just really good point of attack defense on Chris Paul. So I, I thought that was something that we should talk about. Uh, so I, I prepped all day once I had the rundown of, of what we're going to be talking about. It was my first time doing a studio show. I had previously done uh, some pregame stuff with Fox Sports, but that was very different. It was like five to 10 minute hits. You're on the court, you're sitting in a, a stool and uh, it's just the three of you and you got the music blaring and you got the fans in the crowd. And uh, it, that was just a totally different experience than being in a studio and it being totally quiet. It was just a completely different vibe. Uh, but I, I came with... With what I knew about the rundown, I came with a few pages of notes and, and some talking points that I wanted to make sure I hit on. I was adding to it. Uh, it, it was nice, like that. You know, under the desk they have monitors so you can see what the audience is seeing, and then you also have a, a little stand there to have water and and pens and highlighters and stuff if you want to add stuff to your notes. So uh, I was adding stuff during the commercial breaks and kind of thinking about different points I wanted to make. So uh, it, it was really cool. The studio was awesome. Uh, the, the space was a lot bigger than I thought it would be just in terms of, uh, you know, multiple buildings. And it was kind of like a mini campus uh, out there in, in wow. El Segundo. So right next to the training facility, pretty close, uh, just down the street. So uh, it, it was cool. It was fun. And uh, I think I'm, I'm going to be on probably one to two times a month. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it was it was a really fun experience. That's awesome. That, thank you for the the look behind the curtain there. That's it's really neat hearing how that's you know all set up and produced and like like I in high school you know helped with our TV news and and all that sort of stuff. But this is this is the real deal. Um, and it's really cool. You did an awesome job. We're excited to see you doing that again. Now you're here slumming it with us. Um, <laughs> one question. Uh, you know, and and I I think this element of of what you provide certainly doesn't hurt. You you know putting you on TV question from the discord uh group of listeners actually from harrison fagan what's it like tonight what's i'm sorry damn it harrison i'm i'm butchering this what's it like to have nice hair uh, i'm not sure i'm supposed to answer that question uh <laughs> <laughs> um it, it's funny because like my my hair is has become part of my branding and i that wasn't anything i like uh like i didn't plan that it, it just kind of became like people would like make comments or, or jokes on Twitter about me having nice hair. And, uh, I've started to, to lean into it over the years when I've done mailbags on the athletics, sometimes people ask me a hair question and then I'll, I'll respond to it as like the last, I, I like to make the last question in my mailbags a little fun, something to kind of leave people, uh, you know, laughing or something to, to end, uh, the, the mailbag. So I'll, I'll throw in a hair question or something, but, um, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's fun. It's nice. I, I, I'm flattered by, uh, by the, the random Twitter, uh, <laughs> replies to my hair, but, uh, it's also a lot of work, you know, uh, nah, I'm <laughs> got to maintain it. Got to get haircuts every two weeks and it gets expensive. But, um, mm -hmm. at this point I feel like it's part of my brand. So I, I have to, I have to keep it going. Yeah, man, you got, you got to keep that up. I know <laughs> with, with COVID we went from like, I haven't, my girlfriend's been cutting my hair for the past I don't yeah. know how long. And it's, it started out rough the very first time there were tears. Uh, there was like, a pat, <laughs> like I was, you, I was sitting there FaceTime, FaceTime with my buddies like, Hey, look at this. And she was crying. Um, we, we've, we've, we've gotten to it to a, a decent spot these days, but, uh, Shout out to everyone over, out there who's been. Your hair looks good. You got, you got the swoop bus. going on. You got the swoop I, going. 
a little, little, little yeah, mini swoop yeah. kind of i i can kinda. use a little bit of a touch-up at some point soon but uh yeah nice okay and then i've got a fun question another fun well i'd like to think that was a fun question another, another fun question for you at the end <laughs> um before we get to that let's play a little fill in the blank this lakers squad is a top tier like elite title contender if blank I have two answers here. So one, they have to be healthy, but I think that's a given. But mm-hmm. after last season, I think it's fair to kind of couch that in a little bit more where LeBron has been injured in two of his three seasons in LA. AD has played over 70 games twice in nine seasons. Uh, Russ has, has not been, you know, there's a, a large part of his career where he was an Iron Man. I think that's kind of uh, changed the last few years. So health is a legitimate concern for this group. Of course, the age, which everyone loves to bring up, uh, that's not as big of an issue for me, but it is a, a factor. And we've already seen it with Trevor Ariza now. Uh, and, and as a 36-year-old, you don't know how he's going to return from an eight-week injury. It could be it, right? Or, or he could just yeah. never be kind of healthy again uh, in like a worst-case scenario. Whereas if he's 26, you're probably not viewing it the same way. So I think health is first and foremost, like the, the most important thing with this group. Aside from that, I think it's the defense. And if they are a top 10 defense, they, to me, are in that top group with Brooklyn and Milwaukee. I think they can still be the favorite in the West without being a top 10 defense. Uh, I'm curious where you're at with, with the defense because uh, I, I know you had the, the recent pod on it. Uh, I'm still like a little skeptical uh, because, again, I mean, like that five-minute stretch, I thought they looked great in, in the second quarter, but mm-hmm. that was a five-minute stretch in how many minutes has it been? And I, I think... I don't like to overreact to preseason, but I also kind of view it as a a measure of where the team is currently at. And it's it's not like they're going, I, I don't think they're going out there just mailing it in. I do think they're trying, but there obviously is 11 new guys, new system on both ends. There are so many changes and even the rotation has been different night to night in terms of who's starting, who's playing, how many minutes, what lineup. So like there has been so much turnover with this group. It's not, it's not fair to just take it at face value and, and really judge them like that. But at the same time, I do think the defense has not looked great for large stretches of the preseason. And that to me has kind of confirmed some of my concerns of just this team is smaller on the perimeter. They don't have as good of perimeter defenders as they've had in the past two years. And uh, defensive rebounding has been a little bit of an issue. That's probably fixed by LeBron and Russ playing more and just kind of going with, with that. But I don't know. You know, I, I just think it's harder to build plus you know defensive lineups, in my opinion, with some of the talent that they have. So um, to me, if, if they are a top 10 defense, I think they're going to be a top 10 offense. That is uh, historically the formula for being a legit contender. So to me, if they're a top 10 defense, they are right there most likely with Brooklyn and Milwaukee as the co-favorites. I absolutely agree with that. And so far, what has me encouraged, even though the results haven't been all that great, is I'm seeing, at least from an X's and O's standpoint, I think the team is doing the right things and building the right formula and putting the right guys in the right roles that they should at least make the most of what they have. Now, certainly not having the elite defensive guys to prevent breakdowns is, is, you know, that's a little bit different this year. This year, there will be breakdowns. When there are breakdowns, I like the shot blocking better this year. But then another key element to being able to play that good team defense is having guys in your helper role is a role we use at b-ball index or the perimeter big role those bigger bodies that can rotate over put out a fire you've got to kick the ball out reset and then you're in a neutral situation again 
LeBron and Trevor Ariza are the two guys that from the like three, four hybrid position, no matter which one they're playing, they will be doing that. And each of them has their own level of ability on ball, but off ball is where I think they're going to provide a lot of value. And in the games we've seen so far, Ariza has not played and LeBron has not played several of them. And we've seen Carmelo Anthony need to go do that. And that's just not his game. That's where like, like Melo on ball hasn't been all that bad. And, you know, he's, he's in there, he's doing a good job from a rebounding standpoint, at least boxing dudes out and and getting into bodies. It's the off ball rotations. He doesn't make that separate what he brings to the table defensively from what LeBron and Ariza do. And in a way where you don't point at the play watching live and say, Oh, you know what? Melo screwed up. It's come on, man. Wayne Ellington, you got beat, you know, that you, you blew the possession. In when you play defense, there will be breakdowns, either designed through the scheme or just one v one matchups. You have to be able to cause the offense to beat more than one defender to score, and we've seen too many plays where that hasn't quite been the case. So, as Ariza gets healthier, as LeBron's playing more, I think that's going to help with the rebounding. I think that's going to help that rotational defense, like you mentioned with Russ playing more. He'll help with the the rebounding. I agree that uh, Dwight's been a bit better than DeAndre so far. So I'm interested to see how much their minutes reflect their level of play throughout the season. Um, preseason, I don't know if they're, you know, leaning as into that as, as I'm trying to learn from it. But if this continues into the regular season, does end up, Dwight end up starting? Do Is there a, a large minutes gap or is it just kind of the two of them splitting some time? Because um, I think defensively he's shown – like a range, I'd call it as a shot blocker. The same way like a Calvin Johnson in football has that catch radius. Dwight Howard has that block radius that he's just able to get to balls that DeAndre at this point in his career hasn't been able to get to. So I see a lot of positive changes. I agree with you that like there's a lot that's still being worked out and there's certainly certainly guys who have to improve on some stuff, but healthy, I, I like this team a lot defensively. And Assuming, you know, part one of your answer is correct, I think part two can can work out really well. So I'm optimistic. Now, let's swing it to the other direction. Health is probably going to be part of this answer too, but mm-hmm. the Lakers are a first-round exit team this year if blank. And and I'm going to ask for you to say more than just somebody's injured. If they're, if they're mostly healthy, how, you know, where is the weakness in this roster? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to use the health caveat in in – in both, you know, are LeBron and AD not healthy in the playoffs like last postseason, or are they both, you know, one or both missing 30 plus games again? And that's dropping this team into the play in range. And they face a Utah or Phoenix in the first round at less than 100% strength. And those teams have built continuity and chemistry. And it's just kind of a basically a repeat of last season. So aside from that, honestly, I don't see how this team loses in the first round aside from health, because I think that they're going to have home court, if not be a lock for a top three seed with health. Uh, so to me, I'm just looking at who they're, you know, are they playing like the nuggets or the, or the clip? I mean, the Clippers could be interesting if, if Kawhi's back, I, I guess like that maybe is the, the second highest upside team in the West be, behind the Lakers. If Kawhi mm-hmm. comes back close to hundred yeah. percent, but we don't know if he's coming back or what he'll look like. Uh, so Kind of looking at get like Dallas, Denver, Golden State. Like I don't know, so some of those teams could be interesting, but I, I would still pick the Lakers over them in a first round series. So I think honestly, their floor to me is the second round, 
where I look at it like they're probably whoever they face in the first round. I think there's just going to be a, a big talent gap. And again, barring injury, I just don't see how they lose there. It's the second round where it starts to get more interesting. They're playing a Utah, a Phoenix, uh, maybe one of Denver Clippers or, or Warriors gets their guy, their star player healthy. That team kind of jumps a level and is now on, on par with the other you know top three in the West. So that's where I, I think that, that things really start for the Lakers in, in terms of potentially losing. I mean, I guess if their defense is just a train wreck and you know Ariza's injured and, and maybe out for the year and uh, some of Russ's bad habits, uh, you know, and, and DeAndre is just kind of washed and but he's still starting at set like. I'm kind of stretching here to, to make mm-hmm. an argument. Like, I guess it would have to be the defense or which I know Laker fans will love. Like the, the, the Laker shooter regression really happens again. Yep. <laughs> and just all these guys that had career years last year can't shoot uh, in a Lakers Jersey. Like that, I guess would be another thing where maybe they, I mean, maybe the rust, fit, like, I guess the worst case scenario of the rust fit is just like the spacing is awful. They're not creating high level shots. And he's kind of having that usage that you, is maybe a little bit too high. And, and you know, he, his true shooting percentage is a career low or something. And like just kind of everything, perfect storm of, of everything going wrong. But barring, uh, again, like this team not being healthy, uh, I, I just I, I see them as a, a second round out at worst and, and, and most likely at least making the conference finals. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I think the other piece of the health part is not just the Lakers being healthy, but getting into a tricky matchup because other teams aren't healthy the same way this Lakers team was last year where they get matched up with Phoenix because they didn't have that health. And then, I mean, obviously they weren't healthy in that matchup, but if they had been, you know, that, that would have really been unfortunate for the Suns fighting to get to the seating that they got to then play a cal- a team of that caliber. Um, the same way we saw teams try to avoid like the, the, the Clippers, Lakers, all that, that whole, you know, fiasco of, of trying to position, I don't think we'll see that this year, but you never really know. Um, but if you end up with a team like a Denver who's getting Jamal Murray back or the Clippers getting Kawhi back or another team, maybe Phoenix, where Chris Paul's out for a period of time, the drop in the standings and then he's back, you can end up with some like not quite true first round matchups. But outside of that, I think I'm with you. It's it's going to take a perfect storm of a lot of things going not the way we want between shots falling, bad tendencies, bad usage all of that to to get this team out that early. So, I don't know. I think the sky's the limit with this team. They still have a bunch to work out, uh, but I'm excited about it. They seem like a fun team to root for. I've enjoyed all of the the audio clips and like the DeAndre Jordan mic'd up stuff. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was great. Just learning the personality of these guys is a lot of fun. And a question, I didn't, I didn't send this to you in advance, but a question I have for you. If you were, let's say the Lakers are playing the Kings and you're traveling with the team and – the, the plane is down and they've got to go on a long road trip and you're sitting there on this bus and you have to pick a Laker player to navigate the bus, a Laker player to DJ, we'll say they're playing music the whole time, DJ the trip, and a Laker player to pick a place to eat. Who would you be doing each of those three jobs and why? Okay. Uh, I would pick Rajon Rondo to navigate. I think you could go with multiple guys here, uh, but... I mean, it's it's for me. It's between LeBron and Rondo. Uh, I I just feel like Rondo would take it. Uh, there's just this like seriousness with him that I feel like I would want. Uh, 
in in charge with the direction specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of, I think like in terms of directing an offense, like Rondo at his peak was obviously so great at that. Uh, I think DJ, I would go LeBron and, uh, you know, he, he, we always see him on Instagram playing, uh, you know, the, the latest rap album and, uh, the, the backseat of his, uh, Bentley or Rolls Royce or whatever he's sitting in. And, uh, I think that like, I would like DJ LeBron. I think we, he would play some good music. And then to go out to eat, I would go with Mello. I think Mello, big wine guy, uh, has lived the the fancy lifestyle in New York for you know a near decade. And I think he would be a, a good person to know all the best spots. Uh, if you're going to say like an outfit, maybe I'd go, that's where I'd go Russ. Uh, although it, dep- it depends what it is. Um, I'm not going to show up. <laughs> I don't think I could pull off a crop top personally. Um, <laughs> I don't have a six pack. So, uh, but yeah, I-, I think I would go, so I'd go directions, Rondo music, LeBron and restaurant mellow. I like that you added a fourth one in, <laughs> in, in picking outfits. <laughs> I, I wanted to include Russ somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Way to, way to run with it. I could see maybe, uh, I know, I don't know if Rondo actually cooked breakfast for everyone, but we saw that picture of him doing some cooking, uh, during yeah. the preseason. So maybe he's got some of that, but I don't know. We don't have a, a Sergi Baca on this team. Um, <laughs> nice. I'm excited about that. I'm going to ask, I want to get everyone's opinion on this over time. And actually, uh, next week, about a week from today, I'll have uh, Austin Reeves will be joining the podcast and nice. uh, we'll maybe fact check you a little bit and see what see what his perspective Uh-oh. is. But I, I really like your responses. I think they make a lot of a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, that would be a fun, fun trip. That'd, that'd be yeah, a well, one so, thing, I, I don't know if you I don't know if you saw it today uh, with, with the, the practice availability or shoot around. But uh, Rondo was asked about Austin Reeves oh. and was speaking very highly of him. Uh, well, he, First, he said that he he needs like a face mask or a mouth guard because he's he's been hit in the face so much in practices and games that like he's like he probably leads the the league in, in rookie shots to the face. Uh, mm-hmm. But but after that, he, he said obviously a really good knockdown shooter, but just a sponge who's constantly talking to the assistant coaches, talking to Rondo, picking his brain. Then there was a follow up question of what does he ask you? Do you have an example? And and he uh, actually asked Rondo about. Uh, top locking and getting around pin downs and, and kind of navigating that defensively. And then Rondo went into more detail about how that's actually not what the Lakers want to do defensively uh-huh. is be top locking uh, shooters. But, you know, Austin was just kind of more in, if I'm in that situation, how would I defend this? You know, what, what do I do defensively? And uh, Rondo kind of walked him through that. So I, I thought that was an interesting anecdote that maybe you could talk to him more about. Yeah, that's awesome. These these guys, they're smart. Like they know their basketball, and and I want to take every opportunity I can to like give him some like X's and O's questions, and get, you know he, hear what he has to say. That's really cool. I, I've got to go check. I don't know if there's recording of that or just the the transcripts. But it might, might be on YouTube, that. but yeah. Okay. Nice, nice. I'll check that out. That's really neat. Thank you for for sharing that, and we appreciate you asking all these great questions at uh, <laughs> you know post game, pre game, all that stuff. It's 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 good to have someone asking some some fun stuff and, and great questions. Before we get going, is there anything that you would like to plug uh, where the good people can find you? Any cool work that's on the way? Um, I know that I have an athletic subscription primarily to read your work. Actually, like I, I dabble a little in my football teams that I follow, but uh, when it comes to basketball, I'm, I'm reading your stuff every single time. Um, really appreciate all the stuff you're doing over there. What what's on the way, and what can the people look forward to? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, definitely subscribe to The Athletic if, if you have not yet, uh, just to, to read my work, my, my colleague Bill Orem, and all the awesome, as you said, I mean, it's not just NBA, it's not just basketball, it's uh, really all sports. And we're even dabbling in, in culture stuff now. Uh, if you're into fantasy football, I mean, that, that, that's been my go-to right now is just, you know, multiple articles a day on fantasy football. Um, so I would, I would say definitely do that. Uh, also check out the Forum Club, our podcast, uh, our Lakers podcast at The Athletic. Uh, I It's been a little bit of an erratic schedule thus far, but we have a pod coming out tomorrow. And, and then from that point on, uh, I should be recording after every game and then a, a weekly larger discussion uh, with Bill Orem and Anthony Slater. And as far as things coming, I have a Nikola Jokic feature uh, about his relationship with Serbia. So that, that's kind of non-Lakers, but uh, I think it'll be an interesting story. And then uh, I, I have a couple Laker pieces. I'll probably do one more stab at a depth chart rotation breakdown uh, after we kind of see the next two games and j- just sort of where the team is at. And then one thing I like to do heading into each season is rank the players on the roster in terms of most to least important for that team to kind of maximize its season. Uh, so last year, I didn't get to do it with the Lakers because at the time I was covering another team that I'm not going to mention on this <laughs> podcast. But uh, <laughs> uh, once I switched over, uh, you know, the season, literally the day before the season. So I didn't get to do this. I, I did it going into the postseason. So I like to do it regular season and then postseason once we've kind of seen the rotation and, and how guys are performing, I like to rank it. So it's really interesting with the Lakers because you can make a case for four, five, six guys at that number four spot. Like I think the top yeah. three, we can argue about the top three and in, in the order they're in. But that fourth spot, I'm like, you know, you could tell me it's Kent Bazemore. You could tell me it's Trevor Ariza. You could tell me it's Dwight Howard. Like there, there's so many different ways you can go with that spot. So that to me is going to be a fun little exercise of just, kind of ranking the guys in, in my opinion of importance and making the argument why. Uh, and then I'll probably do something too with uh, one question for each player, just going into the season of like what I'm most interested in about their game or about their role. Uh, so those would be the things to look out for over the next week or so. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. That uh, ranking guy article is going to just be a, a rock fight in the comments, but that'll, <laughs> that'll be a lot of fun. Get people thinking, um, and I think the Lakers are still trying to figure some of this stuff out. Like they still have to figure so. out their rotation. They've got to figure out like how they're going to use players. And then based on that, who's, you know, what that importance looks like. So lots of fun stuff coming up. Thank you again for joining us. Um, for everyone listening, if, if you've enjoyed what you listened to and want to continue the conversation, we have a great uh, Discord server where we've got like 15 different channels where people are talking constantly about the Lakers, the general NBA, looking at free agents and trades and we have like a shit talk channel we have a uh we had a channel that was titled david adelman now it's just coaching um where we'll talk coaching stuff we have uh the, the damian jones channel we, there's there needs to be one man he's, there needs to be he's one. like the fourth center on that roster right now so like i fingers crossed he's gonna get cut just because there are guys in front of him and i'd be happy to pick him up uh because the lakers could use some some center help um, I don't know that we want to have to rely on DeAndre to play real minutes throughout the whole season. So yeah. that, I'm going to go ch- make that channel in a couple <laughs> minutes. We have uh, the, the pod channel that we renamed the Lakers Sex Pod because I somehow didn't realize that, you know, our Twitter, hand- Twitter handle spelled that out. Um, what else do we have? We have the, there was a Woj Bombs pod that was renamed to Shams 
shrapnel. Actually, no, now it's just daddy shams. Um, just to see it from the off season. So we have a little bit of fun with it. There that. was some, someone who was getting relationship advice like two days ago. Like it's, there's all sorts of fun stuff going on in there. If you want to join that community, you can, uh, a couple different routes. You can support us financially, going to uh, patreon.com slash Pranges. Tom and I take that money, split it. Then, you know, it, it, it makes our time even more worth it to turn out this content. And then also if you DM me a, a five-star review of the podcast, uh, we can, we can throw you in that Discord channel as well. Join that community. We have several hundred people in there now, and it's just growing and growing. Um, all right, awesome. We'll be uh, back with it. I'm recording with Tom tomorrow. We'll check in with some of these injuries. The Lakers just signed another two-way guy, so we'll talk about that. But for today, that is all. I've been Cranch Basketball. Thank you again to Jovan for joining us. We'll see you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com